on the back of Tyler Bass's leg. The Bills avoid an upset, and the Lions don't get their fourth in a row. Devin, the Lions almost beat the Bills and won four in a row on Thanksgiving. It's Detroit, man. It's it, it, there are a lot of tradition. There's a lot of tradition in the NFL, and uh, one thing that the Detroit Lions uh, cherish every year is uh, playing on Thanksgiving and subsequently losing on Thanksgiving. Um, you can indeed have your turkey and eat it too in Detroit, as long as you are not the Detroit Lions. It's fair. They they played a tough game against obviously one of the best teams in the AFC. Josh Allen, twenty four for forty two. Not the best completion percentage. He's definitely had a little drop off since his elbow injury, which we can't be too surprised about. 253, two touchdowns a pick. He's definitely thrown more picks. I believe he leads the league in interceptions right now. Uh, Josh Allen, the leading rusher with 10 carries, 78 yards and a touchdown. I don't think Devin Singletary really had a bad day. He had 14 carries for 72 yards, got a catch for eight yards. I was surprised they didn't really run the ball more with how bad the Lions are against the run or how bad the Lions defense is in general. Um, Jamal Williams, yet another vulture touchdown to DeAndre Swift, as Devin would say, free DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, 18 carries, 66 yards and a touchdown. Our sun God, Amon Ra St. Brown, nine receptions, 122 yards and a touchdown. He had a really good day. Uh, Jared Goff didn't do too bad. 23 for 37, 240 and two touchdowns, but in the end, they gave Josh Allen just a little bit too much time, got in the range of Tyler Bass, and that was it. Obviously, the better team here wins, um, but the Lions are, are looking up a little bit. They are on a hot streak. Even, even though they lost this game, I would still put them on a hot streak. I don't think you could really walk away from this game. You look at yourself at four and seven. You've probably paid, played better in games than most people thought you would, and you played one of the toughest teams in the AFC pretty fucking hard. Dan, Dan Campbell's got something going. We said it last year, and it's looking a little better each year. It really kind of depends now. They're going to have a really high pick at this point with the Rams, and they'll have a decent pick themselves. So some good first-round picks could really put them in a good spot. Yeah. Um, this Lions team, for as bad as their season has gone on paper, they're in the best scenario they've been in in a couple of years. Um, they're extremely talented at skill positions. Their defense is getting better. The offensive line is as stout as it's ever been. And um, they have a first-round draft pick for an abysmal franchise from the uh, Los Angeles Rams. So a team that we thought a couple of years back would be middling with Matthew Stafford trying to uh, – salvage whatever they had left of him and kind of just being in purgatory is now in purgatory, but with a very high draft pick because the Rams have cratered. Um, I think the lions should just keep playing their hearts out and try and win as many games as possible. Um, they should be able to get a top 10 pick from the Rams unless a miracle happens. And Matthew Stafford carries uh, this depleted Rams team to winning out. Like it's, this is the best case scenario for the franchise that the Detroit Lions are. Um, that's why you make the trade of Matthew Stafford because first round picks are extremely valuable and the year to year variance of any franchise is better than my guess and better than yours. Um, the Bills barely won this game. Um, the Bills have problems. Tredavious White really could be useful uh, at this point. Um, but, you know, he's still out. Uh, Vaughn Miller got hurt in this game. 
they're the, the bills are banged up and it's doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that i don't think they're like stuck in the water or anything they're leading their division if not tied for their division right now with the uh, miami dolphins and i can't say i'm pessimistic about an eight and three team it's just the bills seem a lot more like they were last year than they felt like they were to start the year coming out of the gate the bills looked insane Vaughn Miller was healthy. Jamison Crowder was there. Isaiah McKenzie was starting off the year hot. Gabe Davis picked up right where he left off. But since then, this team has been inconsistent. Gabe Davis can't give you consistent performances week in and week out. The only two consistent, the only three consistent performers on offense so far this season are Josh Allen, Devin Singletary, and Stephon Diggs. And I'm giving an asterisk to Josh, Josh Allen because the guy who everybody said was going to be crowned as the MVP is now leading the league in interceptions. And while, yes, that kind of comes with the territory whenever you have a gunslinger like a Josh Allen, people were comparing him to Mahomes when that simply just isn't the case. We have a lot of great quarterbacks in the NFL, but we have Patrick Mahomes and then everybody else. And Allen was flying incredibly close to the sun, and this franchise in general was. And um, I don't know if it's the bowl leaving as well. The offense doesn't feel as dynamic in certain sets. It's a really, really, really good football team, but based upon the expectations, I feel a little let down to start the season. I think Allen could play better. I think the defense could play a lot better. And it's it's just surprising they're really staying so tight in games like this against a team like Detroit. Because on paper, yeah, and, Buffalo's way better. And the health of Von Miller is going to matter a lot. It is going to be a deciding factor, I think, for this defense in terms of levels. They could really be an elite defense with Tredavious White and Von Miller. But as long as those two aren't healthy, you kind of get this. This is kind of what you're getting. You're playing close games. And you can trust Josh Allen to win a lot of shootouts. But when you get into the playoffs like we've seen before, shootouts are not where you want to be, especially when it's against Patrick Mahomes or even Joe Burrow at this point or any other elite AFC team you're going to run into. Yeah. This game stressed me out probably more than it should. It was really every single referee set for all the Thanksgiving games were awful. This one, the same. It was bad for the Giants. It was bad for the Cowboys. And this was a tale of two halves. The score does not really tell the story of the game for both teams. The Giants ruled out four offensive linemen going into that game. I hammered the Dallas defense in my fantasy league. I really expected them to sack Daniel Jones a lot. And Brian Dable really came out with a strong game plan. A lot of short passes, not really having Daniel Jones get a whole uh, a lot under pressure. They didn't really run the ball a lot with Saquon because it wasn't really going to be successful. They had the, Daniel Jones rolled out a lot and they played really good football in the first half. The Giants came out with a strong game plan. Dak Prescott threw two picks, and things got a little spooky for a second. We go into halftime. The Giants were up 13-7. to Now, granted, that's not really a score to, you know, be concerned at, but down 13-7 to the Giants going into half when you're really supposed to blow them out at this point is a little weird. Then the Cowboys come out in the second half and kind of run with away with it, 21 unanswered. Um, I think the biggest thing here for the Giants was that their health 
is is gone. They got annihilated in terms of health. No offensive linemen. They were running out of DBs. They were running out of corners. They were running out of everybody on defense getting hurt over and over again. And I think that caught up with them eventually for Dallas to kind of just take over the game like they were supposed to in the first place. I felt like, obviously, I'm a little biased, and I think we are a much better team than the New York Giants. But I will give credit where credit is due. They played a pretty damn good game. The garbage time touchdown makes it 28-20. to 20. Um, and kind of, you know, resets that 21 unanswered for Dallas to win by a score. But props to Brian Dable for playing a pretty damn good game and coming out with a strong game plan against Dallas. It just ended up being he just didn't have the players to execute the scheme at that point is kind of how I felt this game went. It's it's really tough to beat a team like the Dallas Cowboys whenever you don't have wide receivers. Darius Slayton is doing his best impersonation of a wide receiver one currently. Uh, Richie James is their current team's leading receiver. It's re- it's really tough. This team goes to Saquon does whenever you have a defensive front like Dallas does. It's hard to score more than 15 against this defense, and they did. It's just the fact of the matter that this Cowboys offense is just as good as the Giants' uh, offenses, if not better by a large margin. Um, for your Saquon, there's Zeke Anthony Pollard. For your Darius Slayton, you have C.D. Lamb, a proven wide receiver one in the league at this point. And Dak Prescott, for all of his faults, is better than Daniel Jones, and it's not really a conversation. The biggest thing about this game to me is the Giants were let back into it a little bit by turnovers. Um, they were They had a pretty clean game. They didn't have a single turnover loss, and Dallas gave it up twice. Uh, pair, pair that with Dallas also being penalized more. Um, the Giants were left in this game, for lack of better terms, even though the score did wind up being closer than it should have been due to a garbage time touchdown. This could have been way worse for New York. So coming out, losing by eight to arguably the best team in your division and one of the top two teams in the NFC right now, it's you, you, you can't really fault anybody. It, it sucks. Uh, obviously, Adoree Jackson being out hurts them as well. Uh, the Achilles heel of this Giants offense is the receiving core. Whenever you go against teams that can move the ball, especially vertically like Dallas can, you're going to have a hard time keeping up in terms of overall points. And we saw that happen on Thanksgiving, regardless of how well the Giants defense played or how consistently well Daniel Jones has played over the last two weeks. They are just currently, their ceiling is so much lower than these other contenders. Yeah. And... Honestly, I kind of forgot about the penalties. I kind of threw away, threw that away in my mind. But I tweeted out at halftime that we were doing exactly what we did against the Raiders last season. Stupid penalties, extending drives, taking away our first downs, giving them first downs. 13 for 86 is unacceptable. That is not what a playoff or Super Bowl contending team does. I'm not saying we're a Super Bowl contending team. But if you want to be a Super Bowl contending team, that shit can't happen. It is, it is, un, you cannot give good teams extended drives. You cannot let your, you cannot give up your own first downs because of a holding call. It, like I said, the referees were not good. There was a lot of PIs missed. There was a lot of tic tac calls, but it is what it is. We had 13 for 86, and that's just flat out unacceptable. That shit can't happen. But come out with the win. We, I feel like we have an easy next two games. 
warm up for Philadelphia and hopefully we can maybe beat Philadelphia. Hopefully Philadelphia loses a game along the way. Maybe we can get to the division because I really would prefer not to play Tampa at home to start to start the, the playoffs, but it is what it is. But we'll see what happens. Did you watch this game? I watched bits and portions. My Thanksgiving was kind of a blur. Um, Post-marriage and going to different households, you definitely lose track of some of these games. I I spent the fourth quarter checking the back of my eyelids for uh, light leaks um, because I would blink and I would lose about five minutes of the game. But I did see enough for this to be a war for a little while. Um, This was a really damn good game. And Justin Jefferson is that dude. If we, if you didn't know, now you do. Um, Kirk Cousins in prime time, I was wrong. Uh, 30 for 37, 299, three touchdowns and a pick. I'm assuming what happened was since they were playing inside and there were so many lights, somebody told him it was a 1 p.m. game and he just went with it. So that's what I'm assuming what happened. Uh, It's a solid strategy. And if they can continue to do that moving forward, go for it. Um, but Justin Jefferson, nine catches, 139 yards and a touchdown. Adam Thielen gets a touchdown. TJ Hawkinson gets a touchdown. This offense was just firing on all cylinders. Um, they, they just really couldn't be stopped by a good Patriots defense. Uh, credit to Mac Jones for throwing for 382 and two touchdowns. Um, Hunter Henry caught two touchdowns, but the referees only allowed one of them. Um, it was not the war I expected for sure. I really expected a low-scoring game. I expected primetime Kirk to show up. I expected the Pats' defense to stand strong, and that's not what happened at all. I would not have expected Matt Jones to almost get 400 yards. Um, they had no run game whatsoever. Ramondre Stevenson, seven carries for 36 yards. Granted, they had to air out the ball, um, but Ramondre did get nine catches for 76 yards. So if you didn't know, it is Ramondre season. Devin loves Ramondre Stevenson. Loves them. <laughs> um, neither team really got the whole ground game running. Dalvin Cook got 22 carries, but he only got 42 yards. So it really was uh, Justin Jefferson versus technically Devontae Parker was the leading receiver, but we're just going to say Ramondre Stevenson anyways. But what are your thoughts about this game? Um, this is this is kind of like uh, every franchise has their demons. Um, the Bills and the Super Bowl – the Chargers and field goals, um, the Bears and doinking. Um, but the, the Vikings for the longest time have had this inner demon of like primetime games because Kirk Cousins is their uh, franchise quarterback, quote unquote franchise. Um, I think a big problem for Kirk Cousins in this tenure with the Vikings was Mike Zimmer. Um, it's really hard to win primetime matchups whenever your team isn't offensively focused. Um, it's the schemes Kevin O'Connell has been able to implement with this offense have unlocked Kirk Cousins to a certain extent um, because they're throwing the shit out of the ball and they're throwing it extremely efficiently. Justin Jefferson's the best wide receiver in football today in terms of healthy, eligible wide receivers. Tyreek Hill is probably 1B if there is a 1A. Um, but Jefferson, at his age, at his pace, is doing things we have never seen at the position ever. And maybe we will see it again because every time we say we'll never see this again, it happens three, four, five years down the road. Hell, Jefferson's rookie year, Jamar Chase duplicated and one-upped it the year after. It's an incredibly talented league at receiver, and Jefferson is a 
he's a step above at this point. The way that he is producing week in and week out, the volume he is catching balls at, um, and you're giving this offense Adam Thielen and TJ Hawkinson as uh, weapon B and C. Yeah, this Vikings team can put up 30 a week, and I don't think it's going to be a fluky type 30 any given week. This Patriots defense was one of the best, if not the best in the NFL over the first half of the season. Jack Jones has been a defensive rookie of the year candidate. Matt Judon has been the best defensive player in the AFC. He was leading the league in sacks at one point. This game should have been a lower scoring affair based upon the Patriots defense but they had to meet the Vikings offense. So I think this game is more about the Vikings offense than it ever was about the Patriots defense. And in being able to score 33 points against Belichick in primetime, I think this kind of exercises some demons Kirk and the Vikings may have had. Um, This is not your uncle's Vikings team. Kevin O'Connell is not Mike Zimmer and Minnesota is very thankful for that. This team is nine and two, and I don't think people are talking about them enough. They seem to be the forgotten or redheaded stepchild of the NFC at this point. Because, yes, the Eagles are the one seed in the NFC. But I think Minnesota is just as good as the Eagles, if not a bit better. I on, I, I understand the rushing attack of the Eagles is something that I don't think many teams can replicate. But with this Minnesota team, they've been getting very little out of Dalvin Cook, if I am correct. Let me go to Pro Football Reference real quick just to – Give us some context on what Dalvin Cook's done this year. Well, he while has... you're looking that up too, this the same team got their asses kicked on Sunday. Like they came out and showed up when they had to. They got humbled on Sunday by Dallas. And really, you're facing just as good as a pass rush in the Patriots, and you hold up and put up 33. So Dalvin Cook is going to probably finish this year with a better total than last year just because he's going to play more games. But on a yards-per-game basis, Dalvin Cook is having statistically the worst year he's had since uh, 2018 whenever he played in 10 games and averaged 55.9 yards per game. Granted, his touch ceiling is far lower, if I'm correct, but they're they're doing all of this offensively without Dalvin Cook needing to be what he's been over the last couple of years. And that's the biggest thing for me because the Vikings for the longest time under Mike Zimmer were Dalvin Cook and then everybody else. Thielen and Jefferson, as great as they were, felt a little tertiary to the uh, primary goals of Dalvin Cook. Um, But now this offense has been retooled and now it can compete with whatever other offenses are going to face in the playoffs because – Kansas City's defense is good. Buffalo's defense is worse than Kansas City's. But Minnesota's offense is good enough to contend with both of those offenses because I think Minnesota's defense on paper can stack up with those two. Maybe even be a little bit better. Patrick Peterson is playing like a throwback version of himself. This is the best Peterson year we've gotten in years. They uh, took over – what's the name? Let me find him. Um, it's Zedarius Smith is having a great year. You still have Jordan Hicks. You still have Harrison Smith. Eric Kendricks is playing well. Daniel Hunter. This is a defense filled with great individual talents. And while yes, it is not some stellar unit like the 49ers, this defense demands respect. So I think Minnesota out of any team in the NFC at this point has convinced me that they're a true contender. I like them more than the Bucks. And depending on the week, I like them more than the Eagles to a certain extent. Like Kevin O'Connell, in terms of coach of the year ranks, he's completely underrated. 
I genuinely think whatever the odds are to bet for Kevin O'Connell as coach of the year should be higher because yes, yeah, Sirianni is they're 10 and one or they're nine and one currently. Uh, after last night's win, they'd be 10 and one, 10 and one. So yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm immensely floored with what Minnesota has done this year. Granted the division's worse than the NFC East, but the Eagles added a lot more in this offseason to be better. Well, yeah, arguably Nick Sirianni had a playoff team that got better. And then Kevin O'Connell had a a below 500 team that didn't make a ton of improvements. They signed Sedarius Smith. Obviously, that's a great signing, but they didn't go out and go as hard as Howie Roseman did in the offseason. Yeah. So virtually we're kind of looking at the same Vikings team we were last season, and now they're nine and two. So something's got to give. Obviously, we knew Mike Zimmer sucked. It's as yeah. easy as that. So, and they think with a win and a Lions loss on Sunday, they could clinch the division with five weeks to go. Yeah. That's how much they're dominating their division. Uh, speaking of domination, it was 30 to nothing at one point. Um, I I just don't, I don't have a lot to say when it comes to Texans games. There's just not really a whole lot here. Um, honestly, it feels like we could discuss CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, which one of them is a Texan next year, and Bryce. that's about it. It's Bryce, and it's yeah. not close. Bryce yeah, Young, I was looking up the stats, yeah. Bryce Young is oh my goodness, let's see football reference. <laughs> College football, and they started Kyle Allen 215, a touchdown, two picks. One of them being a touch, uh, a pick six. It was thirty to nothing at halftime. The Texans played garbage time. The Dolphins didn't really have to do much in the second half. They didn't really have to play any starters. Uh, two of through for two ninety nine. Skylar Thompson came in. Jeff Wilson didn't have a ton of yards on the ground, but he did get a touchdown. Tyree Kill six catches for eighty five yards. Jalen Waddle five catches for eighty five yards. Just not a. a the better team won by by a mile. This game wasn't close. It was never going to be close. And Mike McDaniel continues to build his um, his resume for Coach of the Year. There's a lot of Coach of the Year candidates, and it's going to be interesting to see. But you're, you're sold on Bryce Young. Bryce Young, you are a Houston Texan. I just, out of all the guys in this draft, he's had probably the biggest platform of any of the quarterbacks. And I think he's answered the call relatively speaking. Um, if he played in the same amount of games as he did last year, I think his numbers are just as good. His quarterback rate is very similar to last year. Looking at CJ Stroud, I think Stroud may be a bit more accurate, um, but I just, I, I really don't know because 37 touchdowns, six picks played in 12 games. Bryce Young had 27 and five. It's yeah. Barack Obama puts it bluntly. Young is the best quarterback prospect. Yeah. I don't know if it's a super wide margin. I think it's young Stroud than everybody else. Like the Will Levi's hype. I don't get personally. No, especially whenever know. we're seeing the Zach Wilson stuff going on. Texans, <laughs> right. Texans are in a really bad spot. Um, they could be in a worse spot. Thanks to, uh, the Laramie Tunsil trade, but they uh, were able to kind of flip the script and moving to Sean Watson to go get more draft picks from the Browns. Um, this back half of the season will really determine how good that pick will be. But Houston just better hope they don't win any more games. 
if you have a chance to get a Bryce Young, I don't care if everyone loves Davis Mills in that organization. As a franchise, you don't hope you don't hope to be picking first overall more than it more than once in like a five year window, because yeah. if and you're constantly having years, yeah, because best case scenario, the first pick they trade back and they can get some really solid defensive pieces and offensive linemen. But with a Bryce Young on the board, it's a lot harder to trade back just because I think he's the guy. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, too, once they draft Bryce Young, they might have another. It really depends on what Deshaun Watson does, but they'll have another first round pick from the Bears and you could go out and maybe get a piece for Bryce Young. We'll see. Right now, the mock has Bryce at one, Will Anderson at two to the Bears, CJ Stroud to the Lions at three. Um, And Will Levis goes down to six to the Panthers, which I feel like at that point, and we'll get into it when we get closer to the draft. um, I feel like at that point, if the Panthers aren't going to get CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, trade back. Mm-hmm. The, the way we see Will Levi's, Will Levis, whatever his the proper way you say his name is. But yeah, well, when we get closer to the draft, we'll obviously get more into it. Everything can shift every single day. The The Raiders went from two to 10 with a win, and now they're drafting a lineman in this mock draft. So it it changes from week to week. Yeah. Bengals did it again. They bottled up Derrick Henry a lot. Um, I picked the Titans to win this game because I really thought Derrick Henry would have a better day than he did. Um, but 17 carries for 38 yards. Ryan Tannehill for, uh, threw for a scoreless 291 after Derrick Henry caught a pass, ran 69 yards, fumbled it, and then it got picked up. So it's not a touchdown pass, not a receiving touchdown. It's just a but it touchdown. is a touchdown for Trey But it Lumber. is a touchdown for all you fantasy kids. Sorry about it. Um, Bengals are rolling. They're they're doing their thing right now. They've kept up with the Ravens, and when we get to the Ravens, dear Lord, when we get to the Ravens, um, you know we'll talk we'll talk about how that division's looking out. T Higgins, obviously the dude when Jamar Chase is out, seven for one fourteen and a touchdown. Uh, Tyler Boyd is not the dude. He went two for sixteen. Uh, Hayden Hurst six for fifty seven. Um. I love Mike Vrabel. I love what he does with so little on this Tennessee Titans team. But, boy, it just looks so different without A.J. Brown. I love Traylon Burks. I think he'll be a great guy. But this team is just different without A.J. Brown. And I know that's easy to say. But, boy, this is a game where you miss him the most. For me, this game, um, I I talked a lot of shit about the Bengals coming into the year. A lot of that still kind of stands in terms of like Zach Taylor. I still don't believe in this man whatsoever. I think most of the losses you can attribute to Zach Taylor, just not being able to coach competently at the NFL level, but the biggest winner of this NFL season thus far is probably Zach Taylor with how bad the new hires have been this season. And some of the even year two coaches, Zach Taylor looks like a fucking rocket scientist. It's insane. If you would have told me at the start of the year that I would think that Zach Taylor isn't a bottom five coach in the league, I would have been like, really? And sadly, that is correct. Um, The Bengals are a very talented team. Um, Even without their running back one and wide receiver one, Joe Burrow is able to get things done. Not as accurate as he usually is in this performance, but he got the job done. And for all the faults I gave them last postseason for getting the job done, 
these wins where Bur- Burrow's pulling it out are far less fluky than they were in the postseason last year. Tannehill didn't throw three picks. They're not getting touchdowns by dead whistle calls. The Bengals are just outplaying their opponents. They dominated time of possession. There was no turnovers in this game. They lost the penalty uh, matchup, but in controlling the clock and just being able to pinpoint what they need to stop and stopping it, it rendered this Tennessee team relatively useless. Like I get it. They put up 16 points, but against a team like the Bengals, regardless of the makeup, Joe Burrow is good enough to at least get you 15. And then you have a leg in McPherson. You've got to score at least 20 to 22 points to beat them because after they cross the 45 yard line, they're getting points. Yeah. I I mean, it's really simple as that. They've kind of broken out of their slump that they were in the beginning of the season. Um, This was still obviously a really good game um, between two of the the better teams in the AFC. Um, But like I, I could just say it over and over. Once Derrick Henry gets bottled up, it, it really takes somebody to step up. And Derrick Henry was the leading receiver here. Robert Woods, two for 16. I He really hasn't become what they were hoping he'd be. And I don't know if Robert Woods was ever a wide receiver one, even when he was signed or when he was with LA or anything like that. But he obviously this whole passing offense in general has just not been great um, yeah. this year. And that's probably going to be their downfall. They're still the division winners. It's still their division to lose, um, especially with the way the Colts look right now. They'll host a playoff game, but if they catch the wrong wildcard team, they could be easily at one and done. But I'll always give credit to Mike Vrabel for what he's been doing. Um, th- yeah, that too. Um there's just there's no scheme past Derrick Henry now. Like I said, they miss AJ Brown and Traylon Burks, Robert Woods are just not not guys. And Ryan Tannehill is obviously always getting older. Well, a, a big thing with the Titans currently downing is at fault, but I think a big thing for the Titans last year and how they were able to persevere through injuries for the most part was that their core guys stayed relatively healthy outside of Derrick Henry. Um, Tannehill's missed a good chunk of games this year, and that's important, especially to a team in Tennessee that needs consistency from the signal caller. You have a group of receivers that is relatively unproven, and the only guy that we had faith in to start the year was hurt to start it. Uh, I don't know how everybody feels about Robert Woods. He blew his knee out, and he's over 30 years old. You can only expect so much from a guy like that, and without Traylon Burks on the field, there just isn't any compelling options on the perimeter. Like, yeah, Austin Hooper can have good games, but whenever you not only lose your top receiver for a stretch of time, you're also not going to have your quarterback who's reclaimed his career over the last two, three years. It's just not a winning formula. So shout out Vrabel for being seven and four. Shout out the Bengals for being seven and four. Both of these teams really rose from the ashes after the start of the year. They both were in some dire straits, but yeah, the uh, Titans concern me a little bit just because I'm not sure how much offense they can produce weekly. And if they're going to produce anything at all, where's it going to come from consistently? Because Derrick Henry is great, but they're going to load boxes against him. And regardless of how good you are and how good the line can play, it's hard to find holes whenever you're facing a stacked box. Yep. Broncos country. Uh, We're dead as shit. Um, 
obviously the AFC West would like Nathaniel Hackett to keep his job, but holy shit. What the fuck is going on? This is beyond what I have could have imagined. There, there's bad. And then there's this. There's three and eight losing to the three and eight Carolina Panthers with Sam Darnold at quarterback. Sam Darnold went 11 for 19, 164 in a touchdown. 11 for 19. Against supposedly the best defense in the league. And what does Russ do? 142 and a touchdown. 19 for 35. Latavius Murray got 92 yards. There, what is happening? How does I like? We'll get to Cliff Kingsbury, and I don't know how the fuck he has a job. Like I'm not, I I can't get to the point where oh, it's his first year. I don't. You're three and eight with a team we talked about all last year that was just a quarterback away. They go out and get a quarterback who is apparently worse than Teddy Bridgewater at this point. What like what is happening? This isn't even my team, and I'm fired up. What is happening to the Denver Broncos? They have crippled themselves immensely for years to come with this move, and now you're telling me they're not even a playoff contender. They're not even. They're not even in the hunt. There's like eight teams on that graphic in the hunt, and the Broncos ain't one of them. We are less than 365 days removed from the Broncos trading Vaughn Miller to the Los Angeles Rams. This team going all in made more made less sense than uh, I just I I don't I don't get it. A team that sold so hard last at last point midseason decided we're like one piece away from going all in. And they got one piece, and they signed one of the more overrated pass rushers in the NFL, in Randy Gregory. Um, he was good in Dallas, like I, I, I get it, but I do think certain players benefit from the surroundings they have. Um, I.e., an Alden Smith with the 49ers. I think a lot of players can take for granted the scheme that they are a part of, and the coaching staff that they play alongside of, and the teammates that they share with. Um, Gregory has been a relative disappointment. Um, the defense has played their hearts out. This Broncos defense weekly is doing everything they can. But for a team that's been fledgling since Peyton Manning hung up the cleats, to sit there and say, we're a quarterback away and trade for Russell Wilson, the guy that broke his thumb and hasn't looked the same since, for the guy that went to the Super Bowl and threw a pick to uh, seal the game, for the guy that hasn't made it past the divisional since his last Super Bowl, like Russell Wilson for all of his faults, is an above-average quarterback. He has never been elite. He has never been top five. Borderline top ten, if you want to put it that way. But Russell Wilson was never the guy you trade multiple firsts for and give a record-setting deal to. And it would have been one thing if they traded all the first-round picks. But it's another thing to give him one of the most lucrative deals for a quarterback the NFL's ever seen before he's played a single snap of football. The extension should have never happened. The extension is what really blows my mind because the Broncos could have just, you know, traded for him and waited it out and then signed him after maybe the halfway point of this year. You know, there's no pressure to sign him after you trade for him because, well, like, like, like why? I, I did not understand the extension. The entire city of Denver shouldn't understand the extension. 
This Panthers team punched the Broncos in the mouth and held on to the ball for a very now, long time. Now, riddle, riddle me this, though. Yeah. How many first-round picks did he trade for him? Three? I'll Two? look it up. Yeah, he still had three wanted... years left on his contract, as Barack Obama is saying. There was no oh. reason to extend Russell Wilson. Oh, I'm it's throwing my question worst... out the window then. Because my question was, with this information, with this information, I was unaware of this information. Um, my question's out the window. Because my question was originally going to be, if you're going to give up three first-round picks, even two, and Noah Fant, and I'm not saying Noah Fant's like the greatest tight end ever, but you're giving away a lot of pieces for Russell Wilson. Doesn't it make sense to when you send all those assets away to extend a guy like that so you have him for an extended period of time? But with this information, the extension seems like the stupidest thing on the planet because you would have at least had him for the years that you don't have the picks. And it didn't work out. It didn't work out. You're not crippled for, you know, past the, you may not be, you be crippled for less time than you are now. But yeah, with this information, with that extension, my question goes out the window and I'm absolutely just blown away. He signed a deal and, in 2019. And, and then this. He signed a deal in 2019 for four years, $140 million. Like 2019 through 2023, four years, $140 million. He then signs the extension. And this extension is where it gets crazy because on his base salary for the first two years of the extension he had with the Broncos. So that, yeah, they extended five years past 2023. And in this extension, his salary doubles in the first year. Um, it triples by, it, it, it actually quadruples. Yeah. Cause he's getting paid 8 million next year. Uh, his dead cap is $107 million. If they cut him after the season. So you can't cut him. You can't cut him. You can't trade him. Um, the trade itself, it was, let's see. Ba, 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 ba. Yeah, $107 million. Give me the details. So they traded. Oh, goodness. Hey, Jonathan Taylor is having a second half. Oh, wow. Yeah. He really yeah, is. They're, they're, they're stuck with him. The, oh, here we go. 107 dead cap. A hundred and that's a that has to be a fourth of the cap. More than that, I think. I forget what the cap is at this point. But the uh and he and by the end of the deal, he's gonna be like what 38. Um so Russell Wilson in a 2022 fourth rounder to the Broncos, they moved Drew Locke, Shelby Harris, Noah Fant, 2022 first rounder, 2022 second rounder. 2022 fifth rounder, 2023 first, 2023 second. So it's you're you're gonna give two first rounders for a quarterback that's been declining ever since his best days. There's a reason why he never finishes as an MVP finalist. He, he's not an MVP caliber player, and he never has been. And now he's barely even a replacement level quarterback. Like it was, it, it's one thing what the Colts did with Matt Ryan. The Colts traded some assets, acquired Matt Ryan. They haven't given him an extension. The extension kills me in a league where every team that is playing well to ex every team that has a positive upside in the NFL today, that is not, no, even in, in general, that is not the Vikings at this point. In terms of contenders, they have a quarterback on the rookie scale deal or their secondary extension. And the only quarterbacks I can think of that are on their secondary deal 
that are currently leading their teams to deep playoff runs are Mahomes and Josh Allen. Outside of that, the most dynamic and best, the best outlook teams over the next five years, Chiefs, Bills, Eagles, five years is too long for me for the Vikings just because Kirk, I don't know what he's going to be, but Mm -hmm. the Chargers, um, the importance is on having a young quarterback or a cheap quarterback. And if you can do it both ways, you do it that way. And if you look at the Niners, what they've done is they have a relatively cheap option in Jimmy. He's not super underpaid, but he's playing at Russell Wilson's level, if not a bit better for far less money. If you are paying somebody that second extension, a la a Kyler Murray, Patrick Mahomes, what Herbert will eventually get, you have to be 100% certain of who your guy is. And that's what's going to make this car deal, if it's not going to translate, look really bad. It's what's making this Russell Wilson deal so egregious is the fact that there are more teams paying less and getting more. And that is going to be the trend we see continuing. There's a reason why the Chargers went all in this offseason. Granted, it hasn't panned out due to injuries and a bunch of other mitigating factors, but Herbert's on the rookie scale contract. Look at Philadelphia. Jalen Hurts is having the best year of his career, and he's playing on the best team he's had since Alabama. It's not a coincidence. When you pay your quarterback less money, you can surround them with better talent. But whenever you trade for a yeah, guy I mean, look, established and makes you, more, you are a f- you are a fan of the team that is trying trying to take advantage. Obviously, the number you know the results aren't there right now. But look at all the money you spent this offseason to improve. Because you're not paying Justin Herbert yet. And Barack is right. It is like half. I don't know why I was saying a fourth. But yeah, 107 dead dead cap is over half of the salary cap. So you're stuck with him. Um, So yeah, it, God, it's egregious. It's terrible. It's bad. Mike White. Mike White, to set a bar... Oh, to set a bar real low. He was a lot better than Zach Wilson. 22 for 28, 315, three touchdowns. Um, Zonovan Knight, 14 carries, 69 yards. Ty Johnson, five carries for 62 yards and a touchdown. Michael Carter left with an injury. The resurgence of Garrett Wilson, five receptions, 95 yards, two touchdowns. Elijah Moore. Two receptions, 64 yards, and a touchdown. The man got looked at. The man got targets. He got yards. He even got a touchdown. Elijah Moore is back. They beat a team that started Trevor Simeon. Obviously, the Jets were supposed to win this game all the way through. Um, Justin Fields is hurt, so we did miss, you know, what could have been a master class of a game. The bar was on the floor after Zach Wilson. It might have been under the floor. It may, there might not even have been a bar. Can you set a bar that low? Is that a Guinness World Record for how low a bar can go? Talked about it last week with EPA and play. Josh, only Josh Rosen has a lower EPA per play than Zach Wilson ever since 2018. Um, David Montgomery, 14 carries, 79 yards. The Bears just didn't have a whole lot going on here. They were never going to with Trevor Simeon. Um, seven and four Jets are looking really good. Um, Robert Sala has really turned this team around. I was excited to see him last season. I'm excited for what I'm seeing now. I really wish Brees Hall was healthy. 
it would have been a sight to see. Um, they get a tough task in the Vikings next week, so that'll be really interesting to see. But what do you got for this game? Um, this was. Uh, <laughs> I, just, I just said I find this funny. <laughs> like I wouldn't even call it a bar at that point. At that point, I would call it like a door runner. Like that's how low it was after Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson is effectively just. He didn't. He, whenever he was asked if he let down his defense, he not only let down the defense, but he let down all of America and the response. Um, there are a few things that are terrible to hear from your first round uh, quarterback. And Zach Wilson said one of the worst things you can say after last week's loss to the Patriots. They scored a total of three points. Yeah, it was like 10 to three in the end. Um, yeah, they scored a total of three points the entire game. This Jets defense is elite. This Jets defense is really good. It helps that Sauce Gardner is able to get away with a lot of stuff on the perimeter. Just based upon film that I've seen, I saw a play where he basically tackles Chase Claypool at the catch point before it even hits him. Claypool brought it down, but Gardner is able to get really handsy with these receivers, which is great for him, and it makes for very good coverage. But overall, Jermaine Johnson's been amazing. Quinton Williams is a monster. Sauce Gardner has lived up to the hype. Um, CJ Mosley, Quan Alexander, DJ Reed, Jordan Whitehead, you name it. They've got names throughout this defense. Brees Hall being here would be a huge difference maker. Um, they're holding it together with some patchwork uh, offensive offensive talent at running back. But the receiver room's really good. Um, in the offseason, they added CJ Uzamoa, who's been a relatively, like, after, he's been a relative afterthought. We really don't hear from him on a weekly basis. But That's Tyler Conklin is still producing. You have Denzel Mims, Corey Davis, Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore. That is a pretty good receiver room if we're looking at it, just objectively. The Bears are bad. It's good that the Bears are bad. They need to get as high of a pick as possible to surround Justin Fields with incredibly great talent. If they could have a top two pick, they could trade back very easily and mm -hmm. gain a lot of solid talent in this draft. Justin Fields is the quarterback. Um, at least for the next three years, I don't see why you move off from him in terms of a second or at least fifth year option type stuff. If Daniel Jones has been here for the last four years in New York, why can't Justin Fields get the same opportunity? I think his legs have a higher upside. And in terms of his talent, he's one of the best quarterbacks Ohio state's ever had. And to put that bluntly, Ohio state has had a good number of quarterbacks grace NFL fields that have not translated. But I would, it would be dumb to not try and at least give Justin the uh, the full go, at least. We have uh, – Jalen Hurts is a guy that I think fits this Justin Fields mold in terms of like a guy that not any everybody believes in. He's not totally accurate. Surround them with talent. See what happens. Like, it, it's not hard. It genuinely is not hard. Quarterbacks tend to fail for one of three reasons. They just weren't that good not enough talent around them, or just terrible situation. It's one of those three. And yeah, Fields, for sure, Barack Obama makes a solid point about Fields turning it around. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he's got to figure out the balance the way that Lamar kind of has. But I like that Fields has the edge to him that he tries to get the extra yards, but he does need to protect himself to a certain extent because he is, he's got he's to be Kyler. He's got a very slender frame. Yeah, Kyler knows he can't take a fucking hit. Kyler's 5'10". Kyler cannot take a shot. Robert Griffin could not take a shot, but he did anyways, and we saw how that turned out. 
I'm not saying Robert Griffin was going to be the best quarterback of all time, but he definitely shortened his career because he took unnecessary hits. Cam Newton took unnecessary hits, but Cam Newton has a much bigger frame. You see guys like even Kenny Pickett has been doing well in taking hits. Jalen Hurts. These guys can take those kind of hits. I'm terrified if Dak Prescott takes a hit at this point. I know well, he's big, but I don't want to see him ever take a hit again. Well, that the, the, the thing about it is even the biggest players in the NFL, like even Andrew Luck, it, it adds up regardless of how big, how strong, how physically imposing you are as a player. The hits add up. It does. It just takes one well-timed mm-hmm. hit, well-placed helmet to derail a season. Hell, Justin Herbert took a shot to the ribs, and he was still—he's still feeling the after effects of it. Quarterbacks are heavily protected in the league, but once you leave that uh, pocket, it—it it, it gets really murky. And I think if Fields can kind of learn to slide, not even learn to slide, he takes a lot of like like pop shots. Mm-hmm. Like it's it. Fields is going to learn sooner or later how this is going to work out for him. But based upon what we've seen with the limited talent that they put around him this season, I think the sky's the limit. I I think for all the faith teams and uh, individuals in the media have put into Lamar Jackson and now Jalen Hurts, there's no reason that the track record can't be replicated with a guy like Justin Fields. Because I don't know about his mechanics as much as a Lamar or a Jalen, but in terms of raw arm talent and power, I like Fields' arm. I think Fields can rocket some balls in there. He he literally was never known for running at Ohio State. Like he had a cannon at Ohio State, and people want to say he can't throw. Like, are we doing this Lamar Jackson bullshit again? It's 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 a waste of breath. And and yeah, I I you could probably speak on Justin Herbert in terms of this, but yeah, Josh Allen takes unnecessarily big shots sometimes, and it it spooks. I, I get he's huge. But good lord, Josh Allen gets flipped and thrown over, and it spooks the crap out of me. And even Herbert took that bad shot on Sunday Night Football uh, against the Niners. I know he got up, but still, those kind of hits are like, brother, go down. (laughs) No, um, all in all, the Jets did what they were supposed to do. Mike White. Like Mike White compared to Zach Wilson right now is like looking at Fabio compared to the hunchback of Notre Dame. Zach Wilson's career may not be done, but I would be very surprised if they're going to move forward with him as the quarterback in New York. Taking him, seventh, taking him second overall still doesn't make sense to me. If I were the Jets, knowing what they have this year and what they're going to have next year with hopefully a healthy Brees Hall and another shot at winning an NFL draft, the Jets have to get a quarterback that will win games and not lose them. Because mm-hmm. it's not that Zach Wilson isn't winning you football games, but he is effectively helping you lose them. Like, that's the one thing about Jimmy Garoppolo that we really overstate is like, you can't win with Jimmy. You can win with Jimmy Garoppolo. There was a stat I saw. Uh, KNBR posted, tweeted it the uh, today. And um, 49ers starting quarterbacks through their first 59 starts. Jimmy Garoppolo has a better record through his first 59 starts as the Niners starting quarterback than Joe Montana. And his record is tied with Steve Young. And I get it. The 49ers are a very, very well-rounded team and a very good team. And he's also 10-2 and with no touchdowns thrown. But why can't Zach Wilson do the same thing? And the fact that he can't is extremely (laughs) alarming. So if this team is this good defensively now, and the offense is so competent with Mike White, 
Robert Sala played, he coached for that 49ers team. He understands the schemes, I'm sure, that were ran out in San Francisco. There's a reason why these uh, disciples of Mike of Kyle Shanahan are producing at the NFL head coach level. The schemes that are used in San Francisco, they work regardless of personnel, it seems, for lack of better terms. So Jimmy Garoppolo should be available unless the Niners win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Why doesn't Jimmy go to the Jets? There's going to be quarterbacks to have in the offseason. Derek Carr, if things go terribly, could be available. Aaron Rodgers could be available. There are plenty of names that will be circling the the bowl in the offseason. And New York would be stupid to not try and kick the tires on at least one. And and for this, it's as simple as this. At the end of the day, us as fans want to win. Doesn't matter how you do it. Doesn't matter when it matters when you do it, but it literally does not matter at the end of the day how you win a football game, how controversial it is, however many excuses are made, this and that. You play to win the game. It doesn't matter how it's done. You oh yeah, I was thinking about this today. Jimmy G to the Jets makes so much sense, and it'd be so good to see. It'd be freaking wild. Okay, we gotta start move, moving a little bit. Uh, well, we got a lot of time tonight. Uh, Taylor Heineke sucks, but so does Marcus Mariota. So, oh, Devin died. Okay. I am by myself. I think Devin hit the back button by accident. Um, there he is. <laughs> I accidentally hit the uh, the, the back button mouse on the wrong. That's exactly what I said. Um, but, yeah, Taylor Heineke sucks, but Marcus Mariota sucks even more. Um, I, the commanders continue to build up defense and win games. They're a playoff team right now, but – as long as Taylor Heineke is 138 for two touchdowns. Okay, that's not a playoff caliber quarterback. But Marcus Mariota went 174 with a touchdown and a pick. And the turnovers matter the most. Uh, Marcus Mariota is not good. Oh, God. Looking at this like spread of like red for total yards is like terrifying to look at. Um, hey, you, know what's, I, you know what's good for uh, Arthur Smith and the Falcons? Arthur Smith's father is the founder of FedEx the logistics uh, shipping solutions company. Um, If Arthur Smith needs any help shipping stuff after he gets canned as Falcons head coach, he should have no issues because, you know, he has connections with FedEx. Um, Good to go. This is a game where I think Arthur Smith is a better coach than Ron Rivera under current standing. I think the Falcons are really bad. Um, The fact that they're once again, almost 500 with Arthur, Arthur Smith as a testament to his coaching as frustrating as it is that it, it wins games to a certain extent. Mariota's not the starter. The Falcons really should be hoping to bottom out, which they won't, which is supremely frustrating. Um, Cordell Patterson and Tyler Algier were doing their best uh, crisscross impersonation, trading off uh, bar for bar, rush for rush. Um, it's It's just not good. Your first round pick gets two receptions for 29 yards. Olamide Zacchaeus is your leading receiver on the day. Um, Kyle Pitts is done for the year, effectively. He's on IR. Um, I don't see any reason to bring him back this season, and I don't see any reason to bring Marcus Mariota back next season as well. Desmond Ritter should be starting football games at this point because you drafted him with a day three pick. I just the Falcons, the Falcons win too many games to not have a direction. And that's my biggest problem with them. Washington is on a run like we haven't seen them have in a couple of years. Um, Heineke, I don't know if it's because he buys Jordans after he beats teams. This team feels really weird. They don't make sense. Um, John Bates scored a touchdown. 
whenever I hear John Bates, I think Psycho, um, Terry McLaurin, and Curtis Samuel. They each got at least one carry. Terry McLaurin and Taylor Heineke love each other very much. This commander's defense is good again somehow. Um, I I just I I don't I don't understand, and I don't think we're supposed to understand this this this, this Washington team because everything they've done over the last four years it's incomprehensible. Beating the undefeated Steelers, granted that Steelers team was way overrated. Almost beating Brady in the playoffs, like I don't, my mind can't fathom it, and maybe it's. The schedule being kind to them. I don't know what it truly is, but I, I, I can't credit Ron Rivera. I can't fully credit Taylor Heineke. I just well, feel the, like- the thing is for me, too, th- this is it. This is the end of the line for the Washington Commanders. It was fun while it lasted. They play the Giants next week. They're going to lose that game. They get a week 14 bye which makes zero fucking sense to me that we're getting a buy this late. And then they play the Giants again. They're not going to beat the Giants. I, I truly believe the commanders cannot beat the New York Giants the way the Giants are constructed and the way they're coached right now. Then after they play the Giants twice in a row, they have to go to San Francisco. That game is not going to be particularly close. Then they have to go to Dallas. This is it. It's the end of the line. It was fun while it lasted. It was a cool run, but you're looking at five straight losses. This is it. We're done. Or four? is it four straight losses? No, five. Oh, they play the Browns. They play the Browns, and then they play the Cowboys. They have to play Deshaun Watson's Browns at that point. And granted, we don't know what Deshaun Watson's going to be, but he's going to be better than Jacoby Brissett. This is it. We're, we're done playing games. Happy fun time is over. The Commanders were a playoff team for a hot second. We're done. That's it. Ron Rivera shouldn't have a job next year. Taylor Heineke shouldn't have a job next year as a starting quarterback for these Washington commanders. So let's move on. One thing, Taylor Heineke is the best backup quarterback in football right now. If we're not counting Jordan Love after what he did. Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. I think the commanders are going to be the, the, uh, the, the bell of the ball. They're going to ruin some team seasons late in the season. They they are as much what the Jaguars were supposed to be this year. Like, genuinely, they are going to be the thorn in teams' sides. Losing to the Commanders is going to cost teams playoff spots. And while the Commanders ma- might not make the playoffs, I think they are going to really be the crux as to why people have made the playoffs. I will, I will say Barack is right. Divisional games are weird. Um, they could definitely split with the Giants or even 2-0 them, and I wouldn't be insanely shocked. But just the way that these teams are constructed and the way Brian Dable has been coaching this team, I just think the Giants are the better football team all around in every aspect of the game right now. Um, and they did. They showed up the Eagles on primetime. They caught the Eagles. They caught the Eagles napping. and caught the e- And the Eagles were bound to lose a game at some point. To the Commanders, nobody would have guessed, but if if the Commanders did prove me wrong, obviously I'd be here eating my words, but I, I just think this is the end of the line. They are, what, what are they at this point? Seven and five. Time to finish seven and ten. Maybe eight, eight and nine. But they were a playoff team for a hot second. It's over. We're done. 
and for the Falcons, we say it every fucking week. They're mediocre. They'll continue to be mediocre until they do something about it, like tank out or surprise people. And right now they're not doing either. And they will continue to be as such. And now they don't even have Calvin Ridley coming back next season to kind of shore up that wide receiver core. So (laughs) no help is on the way currently. Yeah. The Falcons are like without a paddle, without a rudder. There's no engine. The boat's just two planks of wood, basically water skis with no motion forward. So they're sinking, but there's like no bottom to this ocean. It's it's just it's just weird. It's puzzling, is what it is. This Tampa Bay team's gonna host a playoff game. I I don't know what is happening anymore. Um Mike Evans had 161 air yards. And 31 actual yards. I, I love there him. There you go. <laughs> uh, but Chris Godwin, 12 receptions for 110 yards. That's always fun. But good Lord, do this? does this team stall out? If you were here for the fantasy show, you, 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 you were there with me live as I was pondering what the fuck <laughs> I was supposed to do with Debo Samuel and Chris Godwin. And I said, you know what? I'll have both. Chris Godwin. Oh, my goodness. Welcome back, buddy. Um, He is the heartbeat of this offense with Leonard Fournette out and the offensive line being held together with exacto with uh, scotch tape and exacto knives. Um, Rashad White had a good week all in all over 100 yards from scrimmage. Uh, Mike Evans, a slow day in the office. Brady threw two touchdowns. Uh, Coke, Coke Heif caught one. So that's the name I don't think I'm going to be saying again for at least another six weeks to six years. So the Browns beat the Bucs. Um, it really hurts that the Bucs lost Tristan Wirfs in this game. I'm not sure for how long, but the play in question was absolutely terrible to watch. I don't know why number 22 on the Browns decided to go airborne whenever he was rushing Tom Brady. Um, it's just really tough to see a guy go down like that. Um Shout out to Kobe Brissett. Um, all he does is uh, is produce to a certain extent. It might not be elite production, but he's going to get you some wins here and there. He's the same dude we saw march into Arrowhead as the Colts quarterback and beat Kansas City at the peak of their powers. Um, as Baraka is saying, Bowles is not a good head coach. He's not making a good case for himself, especially after what Arians did in Tampa for so long. Um I get that the Buccaneers are banged up, but he was the coordinator for most of this Arians run with Brady, and it just is not translating. Um, at one point before overtime, he could have taken a timeout um, to extend the drive to allow Tom Brady to try and win the game for you. Um, he elected not to in fears of Brady throwing a pick. Um, Austin, can you guess how long it's been since Tom Brady's thrown an f- interception in uh, the fourth quarter or overtime of a game? Oh, Lordy. Uh, probably close to never. It's been like 10 years, I guess. Something like that. I saw it on Twitter earlier. It's an egregious amount of time. Um, Nick, Nick Chubb is a bad dude. Anthony Schwartz took the first touchdown 31 yards. I was like, man, that's interesting. Mari Cooper. You know, you know, Devin, real quick, it, it, it tracks that, um, you know, when I have my 45 year old seven time Super Bowl champion quarterback playing, um, I, I feel the need not to give him a chance, mm-hmm. you know, in, in that situation, it, it just feels dicey. 
you know, has he been there before type kind of deal, you know, put a lot of pressure on him. Can he perform under pressure? I see where Todd Bowles is coming from. Okay. You know, he's 31 and 46 in his career and he's only finished over 500 once and he ain't 500 right now, but continue to praise Nick Chubb as well. Uh, Nicholas Chubb is, he's your favorite running backs, favorite running back. On a slow day, he averages 4.5 yards per carry. Um, there's death taxes and Nick Chubb scoring touchdowns and getting 20 carries. Interested to see how he's going to translate once Deshaun is in the offense. I think this offense takes a step up just based upon the talent. Um, Watson should be rusty. It's been two full years since he's played in an NFL game, or almost two full years. But in a weird way, he got an upgrade in weapons comparatively to uh, the uh, – Texans to the Texans. Yeah. It's, it's weird to have such so many legal proceedings and come out on top at the end of it. If that makes sense. Like if you'd have told me at the start of the Watson saga that he was going to be around the best uh, pool of talent in terms of supporting cast that he's had in his career, I'd be like, wow, that's a better outcome than I would expect if I were to, you know, commit crimes and, uh, you know, be transferred at my job, I would expect to be in a worse situation, but all in all, uh, Watson is getting dropped right into an offense that I think is more than competent and arguably is getting the second best receiver of his career in Amari Cooper. Depends on which camp of the Brandon Cook side you're on, but I think Cooper in terms of peak talent is probably a bit better. He's more physical, a little bit taller. Um, he's not Hopkins. Obviously, Hopkins is over the last 10, one of the best, if not the best that we've seen in terms of consistency and year after year output. Um but I think Cooper is going to be a problem with Deshaun Watson. I think Anthony Schwartz, Donovan Peoples-Jones, any pass catcher now has a different level that they can ascend to. Because even without Hopkins, Watson was putting up some pretty impressive numbers in, in yeah. Houston before, before it all went to shit. So I'm not going to count the eggs before they hatch, but winning this game for the Browns feels like a window kind of open for them. If they were bringing back Watson at three and eight, it's a lot harder to make the playoffs, but there's a good number of teams in this AFC uh, playoff bracket that may not survive the bulk stretch of the back end of the season. Playoff Running the table AFC. and finishing 10 and seven is interesting to think about and think about his first game being against not, not his former team. Well, I'm not going to bring that storyline because pro I promise you, I don't fucking care. This team is one nine and one. He's facing the worst team in the league. So he gets the easiest piece of cake he's ever handed. Whereas if he feels any butterflies or can't locate a ball, he just hands it to Nick Chubb. It's the worst rushing defense in the league. The he Browns has the easiest safety net imaginable. The Browns have a, uphill battle over the next six seven games of this season however if we're talking about the group of teams that is the colts jags raiders and browns they are the best team and it is not close in terms of the patriots and the chargers i think the only team that they're going to really have to hope uh isn't able to figure it out is the chargers and they're gonna have to pray to god that the jets finally bottom out because zach wilson was a huge problem they're still seven and four the Bills and Bengals are making the playoffs. Um, the Dolphins and the Ravens may not win their divisions. Who knows? But those four teams should make the playoffs. 
And I don't know what the Browns' remaining schedule is. Let me pull this up real quick. And also, what a catch by David Njoku on fourth down to force overtime. That shit was well, wild. Yeah. No better ending for um, for uh, Jacoby Brissett. That was great. Playing it, playing at home, getting the win. I feel nothing but like adoration for that guy. But if there is time to move, it is right now. They get a win against the Texans. They have a shot to beat the Bengals in Cincinnati. If they can beat the Bengals, I'm taking them against the Ravens. Point blank. Yeah. And then Saints, Commanders, Steelers. If they can make it to 3-0 and or 2-1 and out of their next three, they are within spitting distance of one of those final wildcard spots. If not, yep. fighting for a division title. Because as good as the Ravens have shown in pockets, their defense cannot hold a lead. As good as the Bengals have been over stretches, Zach Taylor is still the head coach. And they haven't been the most consistent team in the NFL. Whenever they're on, they're on. But mm-hmm. this Browns team with Deshaun Watson could be bad. They could be worse than they were with Jacoby Brissett. But yeah. that is a reality the Browns cannot afford to exist. Because I just... Mean- just like I mean, the Russell Wilson deal. Okay, I'm let, let 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 go ahead. Say your point. My my only point is if they're bad this season, it's a wash, it's whatever. He played six games. Yeah, six games, whatever. It's next season that really matters to me the most. If they don't make the playoffs this season, Jacoby Brissett had to start eleven games. Four and seven is not the best spot to be in. You almost have to run the table to make the playoffs. If they miss the playoffs this year, if I'm a Browns fan, it is what it is. It's next year where you need to show up because I paid you money. I paid for picks. I did all this and all that. Show a glimpse of something in these next six games that you are the Deshaun Watson that you were in Houston, or at least 80% of it. Get an off season in of being normal However much of a piece of shit Deshaun Watson is, come back next season, make the playoffs, beat the shit out of your division. So the reason why the Browns, they don't have a first rounder for the next three seasons. They traded away a third round pick in this year's draft, a fourth rounder two years from now. It's this team is very good. The defense is disappointing this season. Miles Garrett has to stay healthy. And let me look up the cap space. They have 33.716 million in cap, according to overthecap.com. Uh, so the Browns actually have the most cap space in the NFL. That is surprising. Okay. Um, now my stance has changed a little bit, but my point still stands. This is the exact same scenario as the Russell Wilson contract, except Deshaun is considerably younger and played at a higher level than Russ ever had prior to being traded. Um, but Deshaun could just be not as good as he was in Houston. He's missed mm-hmm. two years of NFL football. It's going to take a while for him to be back at the level that he once was. And I'm not saying he's never going to return to that, but after seeing what happened to Russell Wilson, it's never off the table. Mm-hmm. He hasn't. He had his ACL in Houston. He came back from that. He was fine. But two years off can do a lot to the human body. And I'm not going to bet that Deshaun Watson is like 60% of what he was. I think he's going to be 85 to 90 whenever he's back in the full swing of it. But 
three straight years and no first rounders is really tough, especially when whenever you don't have the Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup already under contract. What the Rams did right. is a it 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 doesn't happen in the modern NFL, and it mm. feels like the Browns are trying to do that, and they have the bones to try and accomplish it. They genuinely do, but. There's a lot of moving parts to this. Chubb is on an extension. They have Cooper for t- like two more years after this year. There's a there, there's a God, way for this thing. Me. There's a way for this thing to work, and they've done everything right up until the point where they traded for Watson. They're going to have to do everything right from this point forward, or else this is a house of cards and it can easily tumble down. Yep. But next year they should be really good. Speaking of tumbling down, Devin, I have something for you. Four teams, four NFL teams across the NFL's entire history has led by two possessions at some point in their first 11 games. The 1942 Bears, they were 11-0. 2009 Saints, 11-0. The 2011 Green Bay Packers, 11-0. The 2022 Baltimore Ravens, 7-4. What's going on? How does this keep happening over and over? And you call on Justin Tucker to hit a 67-yard field goal. The man hit 66 last year to save your ass from the Lions. And you needed 67 to get saved from the Jaguars and their terrifying mascot in a Speedo. So everything I said about the bills kind of applies to this Ravens team, but the Ravens don't have a single wide receiver. I would want to roster if I were one of the other 32 teams in the league. True. Like the fact that the bills have Stefan Diggs. like why hasn't Lamar Jackson gotten a running mate? They traded away the best receiver he's had in his career in Marquise Brown, who is now having a career year before the injury in Arizona. It make it makes little to no sense. Um, you surround talent with talent. Talent tends to produce. Um, Lamar Jackson's best receiver this year has been Deshaun Jackson. Um, <laughs> it's it, it's it's laughable. Josh Oliver was the leading receiver with a team that features Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews had less receiving yards than Deshaun Jackson, as I mentioned prior. Blaming Lamar Jackson for less than stellar passing stats is like, I don't know, blaming a fish for not flying. You haven't given him anything to produce with. And it would be helpful if they had a rushing attack like they've had over the last couple of years. But holy shit, the Gus Bus's e-brake is stuck in park. Like, this team makes no sense. The front office sucks. They fired Wink last year, and the defense sucks. It's one step forward and two steps back, but the bus is parked in Baltimore, and they have done nothing to try and repair it. And it makes no sense. Trevor Lawrence, have the cake and eat it too. I love this guy. Trevor Lawrence was the first overall pick for a reason the fact that anybody was in the conversation of being remotely close to him in that draft blows my mind Trey Lance could pan out and be great Trevor Lawrence not only had all of the pressure of the first overall pick he had the worst scenario a fucking first round pick has had since I don't know when Urban Meyer was the worst social experiment we've had since I don't know punked with Ashton Kutcher it made no sense to bring in this guy who really is just a habitual liar It, it made no sense I am taking all of Lawrence's first year and just throwing it out. It, it didn't exist. Um, but what he has done this year and the improvements he has made, even the front office bringing in Doug Peterson, 
drafting ETN last year. This team is doing everything correctly. And this team is proving to everybody that they're better than we thought they were going to be. Are they close to being a contender? No, but they have the pieces that are going to make it a hell of a lot easier once these drafts start piling up. Because Trevor Lawrence, regardless of if you like him or not, is the franchise quarterback in Jacksonville. He is going to get a second contract. And I think at some point in his career, he is going to be top 10 in the league because superstars have games like this. 321, three scores, no turnovers against a team that is a perennial contender. He didn't do this to the Cleveland Browns to Jacoby Brissett. He didn't do this to the Panthers. He did this to a team that should be vying for a Super Bowl. With so Travis Etienne. And this game feels less about the Ravens, which is insane to me because this is all the Ravens season has been. And it feels a bit more about the Jags because the Jags came in there. They got outgained in total yards. They averaged less in yards per play, had less first downs, were worse on third down, and they fucking pulled it out. Two for three on fourth down, ran seven less plays, were dominated in time of possession. They won the turnover battle, and whenever it counted, they produced. I... I love this Jags team. Doug Peterson, four and seven looks great on you, even if you don't have a winning record this season. Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Jermichael Hasty had a day. You're going to come back next year. You have Calvin Ridley. This team has done everything right for once, and I am so happy for them. And you know why they won by one point? Because they went for two. Because why? Fuck it, we ball. And then Tucker missed a 67-yarder. It's not your fault, Justin. The team should be able to hold a lead. But yeah, yeah really like as simple as that. And now the Bengals have caught up. Like maybe I'm over exaggerating about the Jacksonville Jaguars, but there is a roadmap to where they could be fighting for a division title. They get two games with Tennessee in the next like three weeks or something like that, or the next five. Over the rest of the season, they have two matchups with Tennessee, and Tennessee only leads by three games. Jacksonville could make some stuff really interesting. Oh, a hundred, a hundred percent. Speaking of interesting, speaking I of really hated this game. Please, please get, tell me about it. Josh McDaniels is not a good head coach. Like Josh Jacobs, congratulate. Like if I were if I were Josh McDaniels, I would have a blank check on Josh Jacobs' doorstep this morning because not only did he save your job he probably saved your season um the Raiders probably aren't making the playoffs but if the Raiders lose this game in the way that they were supposed to lose this game I don't think McDaniels has a, has a job come week uh, 13 I just don't see it um Josh Jacobs had a day that I don't think any of us have seen in a long time like contract year Josh Jacobs has to be one of the best running backs I've ever seen. Like they I declined I knew was, his fifth year option. I knew he was good at Alabama. I drafted him his rookie year in fantasy. Um, I don't know when the uh, narrative changed and it was like Josh Jacobs is the black plague and he's going to the eighth round. I feel foolish for buying into the hype that he wasn't good because Alabama running backs skew good in the NFL. And Jacobs was like he was drafted in the first round for a reason. And he's proving it. Like, hats off to Josh Jacobs. Uh, hats on for Derek Carr, once again, throwing multiple picks and almost costing his team the game. Um, but when Devontae isn't showing up, 
when Mac Hollins shows up a bit, like Josh Jacobs said, hold my beer. We're winning this game. And while it, it wasn't pretty, it was kind of ugly, but man, the Raiders took every punch Seattle had. And at the end of the day, like genuinely, if Jacobs doesn't break off that run, the Seahawks probably win. Jacobs was the MVP of this entire week. He's player of the week. Yeah. He's player of the month with a performance like that. Like yeah. that stuff doesn't happen. And as someone who benched him in one of my fantasy leagues, granted it's a six team league. Don't kill me. Each yen felt like a <laughs> solid play. Um, I'm going to lose my match because I benched him and that's totally fine. Josh Jacobs is, he's that guy. Um, whoever signs him in the offseason, congratulations. You've got a dude that has that dog in him. And kudos to the Raiders. Four and seven. Um, I expected them to be a lot worse at this point. They pulled out some games that I'm surprised they did. This being one of them. Seattle, the window's closed um, in terms of like winning your division in the playoffs. Um, the Niners are a really good football team. And while, yes, you are tied. Oh nope, you're you're just down by one game. So they went no, from yeah, one, they're, they're leading their spot. they went from leading their division to being the first one out in the playoffs. And I don't expect Washington to make the playoffs this year. But in the same vein, I don't know if there's a lot of teams in this bottom tier that have a remote like the Lions could be interesting. Maybe the Falcons piss me off, but they could make it. I think Green Bay's done. Carolina's done. Arizona's done. Saints are done unless Jameis comes back and they just flip it. Rams are done and the Bears are done. So Seattle's only saving grace is that after them, the NFC sucks. Because if they were in the AFC, start counting your draft picks. But thanks to Denver all the way down at uh, number 15 in the AFC, um, the Seahawks can just count that draft pick because, man, I was – I was so wrong about Seattle to anyone that's a Seahawks fan. Congratulations. I will eat my words. Geno Smith is a really, really good quarterback, and your team is far better than I ever anticipated. I thought you guys were going to tank for Bryce Young, and at this rate, you might even have a shot for C.J. Stroud because if the Broncos keep losing, (laughs) the Broncos keep losing, the Seahawks keep winning. So, Did you just trade that pick at that point? If they can't get a top quarterback, yeah. Like, I think Gino is deserving of an extension, but if you can get your franchise guy for years, I don't know who's coming out next year, but I, I don't know if you can guarantee a scenario where you're going to have that. Because they don't have a first rounder after this year from the Broncos. It'll just be their first rounders. And a team led by Gino is not going to be bad enough to get you a top overall quarterback prospect. If you can't yeah. get Stroud, trade the pick back. You're not taking Levi's as your future uh, cornerstone. If it's top three, I think there is a play yeah, for so a quarterback. The mock has him taking Jalen Carter at four, which would be a really good pick because right now the mock, which I agree with for the most part, is Bryce Young at one, Will Anderson at two to the Bears, CJ Stroud at three to the Lions, and Jalen Carter four to the Seahawks, which sounds pretty good to me. They lost yesterday. Yeah, and really, Carr w- wasn't really under a whole lot of pressure, and his line has been really bad all year long. Derek Carr yeah. usually doesn't have a whole lot of time to throw and, you know, still threw a couple picks, and then a 12th man ran out on the field and started blocking. So um, that was pretty wild. Um, so this game had everything. Um, I guess little did we know the whole time the 12th man wasn't the fan. It was just the Seahawks actually cheating um, the whole time. But 
Yeah, getting Jalen Carter would not be bad at all. Um, no, I if they have a pick in the top three, I think it would be weird to not kick the tires on a CJ Stroud. I think they'd be better off trading out of the third pick, 100%, because Geno is an option where they could be able to contend. Yeah. Um, it all depends on how you feel about CJ Stroud. If Bryce Young falls to three and the Seahawks have the pick, <laughs> lose my fucking mind. I'm saying it right wild. now. I'm I'm taking Bryce Young at that point. Yeah. But after Bryce Young, I think the Seahawks are confident enough in Geno on like a two to three year extension to just yeah. build the defense because the Jamal Adams trade still hurts. Um, but yeah, no. Two top picks in the draft. They they probably have like a mid twenties with how they finished this year. If they get a top three pick, you trade down unless you have a shot at Bryce Young. Which Okay. Happen. This one is going to be a lot. This is going to be a lot. I'm. It's your team, so you start. But this is going to be a long one. Um. So I'm going to just level with everybody right here. Justin Herbert didn't throw a pick this week. Um. Granted, he threw one, but uh, it hit the ground. Thank God. Um. <laughs> This was a game of co- the coaches saying, hey, man, I bet I could lose that in a more embarrassing fashion than you can. And they were like, no, no, you. And Cliff said, no, you, I guess, last because, damn, the Chargers have a propensity to kick teams' ass in the first half and then just tuck their tail between their legs in the second half, which once again happened. Um, Cameron Dicker, thank you for uh, – just, I don't know, being the wind beneath my wings for this Chargers football season. Um, the kickers have been the MVPs for the Chargers all year. Um, I'm incredibly happy with the performance from Justin Herbert. It helps whenever you have your number one receiver back in Keenan Allen. We still have not seen Keenan Allen and Mike Williams play a full game of football this year. We probably won't see it for the rest of this year. Who knows? Eckler had his worst game from scrimmage of the year in terms of on the ground, uh, 11 receptions for 60 yards and a touchdown feels nice. Um, the chargers did not beat the Cardinals and the Cardinals also didn't lose. To, it's, it's weird. The chargers won this game and the Cardinals also lost it, but they could both be true. And the statement can, you know what I'm saying? It's like a symbiotic relationship. Both events occurred, but I can't blame either or the chargers did everything they could to lose this game. The Cardinals did everything they could to win this game. Um, analytics be damned. Staley finally said, fuck it. We're going for two. I thank him for doing it. If Keenan Allen doesn't play, we're kicking the ball because Keenan Allen drawing that double team frees up Gerald Everett. And that's why we win the game. Whenever your best players are available, you tend to win more games, six and five in the stretch run. The chargers feel really good right now. Not as good as I had them in the beginning of the year. They're still banged up. Still no JC, no Slater. It's one step forward and two steps back with them. But if Herbert's going to be healthier and Khalil Mack can anchor the defense until Joey's back, they can tread water and hopefully somebody drops out for the playoffs. Kyler, I'm sorry. Hopkins and Marquise Brown both had respectable days. Marquise had more receptions. Hop had more yards in the touchdown. James Conner, welcome back. 25 carries, 120 yards. This Cardinals defense is terrible. Chargers defense sucks as well. But this Cardinals defense is downright abysmal. Kyler only throwing for 191 yards isn't ideal, but two touchdowns and a pick is more than you can ask of most quarterbacks any given week. Robbie Anderson, congratulations for recording your first or second reception as a Cardinal. It's it's laughable that you have a guy that's on his second uh, – he, he's on his first extension, 
with the Cardinals, and they've done little to actually help him aside from DeAndre Hopkins, James Conner, and Marquise Brown, which is more than what the Ravens have given Lamar, but granted, Lamar's still on the rookie deal. It's tough. Um, I don't know how Cliff Kingsbury is employed. We have, this is year four of the experience, or year three of the experience, and he's just not a winning coach. Like, yeah, he made the playoffs last year, but they started out insanely hot, and they literally fell off the face of the earth and they have not been able to get up since this team's both of these teams are in similar scenarios where their quarterback gets blamed for a lot of the team's downfall. When in actuality, like I know people count wins as a quarterback stat, but at a certain point, the quarterback can only do so much. And if Herbert loses this game, Acho is going to be on his show saying he's a social media quarterback, this and that three touchdowns, 274 yards. Herbert, literally combined to have 274 plus 38. Let's do some quick math. 302, 312. So 322, 322. So in total yards, the Chargers had 311. That's counting the sacks. So they had... Wait. I must have misheard the number you said then. You said 248 plus 38? 274 plus 38. This is this is accounting for sacks. So there's some yards. Oh, that are, that's detracted. right. Okay. But yeah, Herbert yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Herbert accounted for like over 90% of the total yards in this game. Right. He was right. pressured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Cardinals blitzed 41% of the time. And Herbert, three touchdowns, no picks, 274 yards. Herbert could not have done more in this game. And if they would have lost, it's all on the quarterback. Both of these quarterbacks are in damn near impossible situations currently. Their defense is hemorrhage every single week. And if they don't put up 25 or 30 points, they're not walking away with a win. At some point, coaching and scheming has to be at the forefront. And Brandon Staley's just lucky that the Chargers pulled this one out because it was ugly. It was an ugly game. Um, we knew it was going to be high scoring, but we didn't think it was going to be because the defenses just can't stop anybody. It was because you have two high-powered offenses and the defense should be able to, you know, do anything. But both of these defenses are downright terrible at this point. Chargers can't stop anything that's running through the tackles. The Cardinals just can't stop anything. Like, this Chargers team has looked anemic certain weeks. It's it's, it's, it's weird. I know you have a lot to say about Kyler. I'll let you go with that and I'll riff off. But it it was a down week. It. You said it earlier. I really think the Cardinals lost this game more than the Chargers won it. Um, and I'm not going to take anything away from the Chargers. The, Char- the Chargers played a damn good game. I was they just happy for, a for it and they got it. Yeah. The Chargers were playing to lose in the second half. 14 points in a quarter. You muster 11 in the final two. Well, And, and no the sense. thing is, the, the touchdown they scored to end the game was their second touchdown in their 22nd second half possession. Yeah, that's the, how the, abysmal they've been in the second half. We talked about it last week. We talk about Kyler for a second. It it makes me absolutely sick that Kyler continues to have these games. One ninety one is not going to blow anybody away, but add in fifty six yards in rushing, add in a rushing touchdown. He accounts for all the fucking scoring. Account for the schemes that. Cliff Kingsbury comes up with on fucking Madden 20 or something because God knows he probably doesn't play the newest gen of Madden. That's how far behind he is. Everybody else. 
Kyler went up to the podium and they asked him about the fourth and one play that turned into a fade to DeAndre Hopkins that turned into an interception. And what does Kyler say? He says, schematically, we're fucked. This isn't the first time we've seen Kyler angry with Cliff. He was screaming at him on Thursday night football. And what do the comments read of people? Kyler's a bitch. Kyler can't take accountability. What do you want the kid to do? The kid has done literally everything physically possible to win, has all the offensive weapons. Look what Brian Dable is doing with extremely minimal talent. And look what Cliff Kingsbury is doing. Granted, their defense is fucking awful. I get that. But Kyler Murray, James Conner, Marquise Brown, DeAndre Hopkins, even A.J. Green to an extent, and even Rondale Moore when he's healthy, could put up 35 points a game. That's a lot of fucking talent on an offense. And you want to tell me that Kyler can't take accountability. You want to tell me that he's playing Call of Duty too much, that it's all Call of Duty this and all Call of Duty that. If Cliff Kingsbury isn't the head coach of this football, team they're in the playoff race right now they even may they even may scare the Niners a little bit granted Colt McCoy had to start two games that's never ideal but the fact that Cliff Kingsbury still has a job after collapse after collapse and we didn't even start hot this year you just suck how does he still have a job at this point at least get rid of his ass the fact that he has a job as i'm speaking right now is a joke at least give the interim guy the bye week and another week moving forward to kind of get things together and look pretty towards the end and you've got kyler murray for a long time kyler murray's only making two million dollars base salary next year he's making less money than dak prescott and i would rather have kyler murray as my quarterback i love dak prescott but the things that Kyler can do with his legs, he has similar arm strength and accuracy to Dak Prescott. He has better running ability than Dak Prescott. And granted, that's not Dak's fault because he's so beaten to hell at this point. He probably runs significantly less. But still, the things that Kyler Murray can do, the only reason why the Cardinals beat the Raiders is because Kyler Murray had to run around like a freaking leprechaun being chased for his lucky charms to make a two point conversion. Like I, I don't know what Kyler has to do. I can, I can't name you in terms of quarterbacks who bring talent to the table. I can't name you 10 better quarterbacks. Kyler Murray is near the top five, probably top seven or eight for me in terms of talent brought to the table. Kyler Murray's a really fucking good quarterback. He is the first overall pick for a reason and honestly, he might be the best quarterback out of his draft. I would have to honestly look at his draft because I just can't remember that far. 2019? Was it 2019? Yeah, it's the Daniel Jones draft. There's no question about Kyler Murray being the uh, best player. Okay, at least so quarterback it's, in that it's, draft. It's not it's, particularly it's not, close. No, no. The only other one that you could think of maybe, let me see, 2019 quarterbacks. The only starter that's left is uh, Daniel Jones, if I'm correct. Oh, oh, I, I saw Josh Allen, but it's uh, Jacksonville Josh Allen. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'll read, <laughs> that's hilarious. I'll, I'll read you the uh, eight quarterbacks drafted in that uh, class. Kyler Murray, Drew Locke, Dwayne Haskins, Daniel Jones, Will Greer, Ryan Finley, Jarrett Stidham, Tyree Jackson. It's it's Recipes, Kyler than everybody else. Rest in peace to Dwayne Haskins. We'll never yes. truly know what he could have been. Um, but 
the point stands that Kyler Murray, not close, best quarterback out of that draft. Number one for a reason because Arizona needed a guy badly. And they got their guy. They have talent around the guy. And who's his head coach? Who's putting up schemes? A guy who hasn't finished 500 in his life. I could go to the Cardinals and finish under 500 if you want. And you could pay me significantly less than you're paying Cliff Kingsbury. It's, it's a joke. There is no reason for him to con- still continue to have a job. He is running this franchise into the dirt. And Kyler Murray is stuck here. Granted, he's the one who signed the contract. He is stuck till, I believe it's 2028. He has an out, but he's making about $37 million one year, then it's $25 million the next. It, it's jumbled around a little bit, but he's making significantly less money than other highly paid quarterbacks, and people want to say he's overpaid. A good head coach has this team in the playoff race, and it's not close. They've lost some damn close games over and over. They got killed by the Niners. Whatever. That happens. They almost beat the Eagles. They have, and I get it, I could say almost all day long. At the end of the day, the win-loss is what matters the most. But the fact that Kyler Murray gets way more blame and is called all these names and say he can't take accountability... I don't know what else to say at this point. I will defend this dude until the ends of the earth, until he gets a better head coach, and I actually see what his ceiling is. He could easily be a top-five quarterback. Is he Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen? Probably not. But could he get up there with everybody else? You're damn right he can. The literal only thing holding Kyler back is that he's 5'10", and there ain't a damn thing he could do about that. So... What do we need to do now? Get him a decent fucking scheme. It, I just can't. I can repeat it over and over again. It is absolutely ridiculous at this point. It is a joke. The thing about the uh, Cardinals is it's one thing whenever you're trying to uh, – you're trying your best to have this team compete. And for me at this point, the biggest thing about – um. Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury is Cliff Kingsbury has not won a single thing at the NFL where Kyler Murray hasn't been the focal point of an offense. And even with Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury can't seem to figure it out. This is not a Kyler Murray problem. This is a Cliff Kingsbury problem. And if you want to waste some prime years of uh, Kyler Murray on a very lucrative deal, keep Cliff at the helm. But I'm telling you right now, it's, it's not going to be good for them. It just will not be good for them. Yeah, I, I just, it, it drives me nuts that people want to get. And the thing is, Cliff Kingsbury signed an extension through 2027. There, you, this, can't, this can't keep up. You, you, if you actually give a shit about winning, can his ass. If you don't give mm-hmm. a shit about winning, the longer he stays, the more I believe ownership and the GM doesn't give a shit at this point. The, the cards are laid out for you. This was a team that could have won the NFC West last season. They were leading it for a long-ass time. And what happened? Your signature Cliff Kingsbury second-half collapse. Yeah. Maybe maybe they don't get slaughtered by L.A. in L.A. They host a playoff game. Maybe they play a lower wildcard team and beat them and move on. It changes the whole dynamic of the playoffs and we're looking at something different, but because we have this cliff Kingsbury second half collapse for the umpteenth time dating back to Texas tech and Patrick Mahomes, we're sitting here 
wondering what is going to happen. And right now what's going to happen is they're going to keep losing over and over and over again. A fourth and one, a fourth and a fourth and one fade away to DeAndre Hopkins 15 yards away against one of the worst rush defenses in the league with James Conner, who ran for 120 yards. They refused to run the ball exclusively when they needed to run out the clock and get two yards for a first down against one of the worst rush defenses in the league. It's not rocket science at this point. It's the dude is having a day that he hasn't had in a long time. James Conner was averaging almost five yards a carry. And he probably should have seen the ball more than he did. And he still touched it. Let's see. 28 times. I'm off of it. They're on a bye. It's going to stew. They played. I believe they played Denver coming out. So if they lose to Denver. Oh boy. I'll be back here in two weeks. And I'll, I will literally lose my freaking mind. Andy Dalton shouldn't be starting games either. The fact that Jameis Winston lost his job because he got hurt to this guy who let's look at Andy Dalton's stats on the day. Hmm. Eight for 29 and 204 scoreless yards. He was the leading rusher on the day. Saints defense is good. They held a pretty dynamic offense down to 13 points. Granted, it was some weird calls by Kyle Shanahan to go for it on a goal to go and just take your points. Um, but the, the fact that Andy Dalton is still the starting quarterback of the Saints just goes to show how incompetent Dennis Allen truly is as a head coach and how this team will continue to run into the ground and hand the Eagles a top 10 pick because they wanted Chris Olave so bad. They're going to be in cap hell for the umpteenth time. Dennis Allen shouldn't have a job next year. I don't know where who who's going to be the head coach if Dennis Allen were to go. I know D'Amico Ryans is going to garner a lot of attention, but I don't think he's going to New Orleans if there was a vacancy there. So the Niners are a damn good football team, and they haven't given up any second-half points since week eight. So um, there's one of your NFC favorites right there, the way they're playing right now. They lose Elijah Mitchell, which kind of sucks, but they still have Christian McCaffrey, so that doesn't suck. Um but yeah, I I trashed the I've trashed the Saints week after week. I'm not going to do it again. My my point stands. They're they're a pathetic franchise at this point that is literally going to go nowhere. Yeah, yeah, the Saints are really bad right now. Um, I don't need to reiterate what you said about them. Dennis Allen makes little to no sense. The Niners defense is all world at this point, and um, Jimmy. Or should we call him Hemi Garoppolo? Uh, he threw a touchdown, so that doesn't add to the record <laughs> where he doesn't throw a touchdown. But no, Elijah Mitchell moving forward. McCaffrey's going to be on the mend. It's going to get really interesting for a bit here. Can Jimmy help them kind of withstand this run of injury? Because they're going to have to get creative to keep putting points on the board in this uh, final stretch of the season. And Seattle isn't going away is the biggest thing. Yeah, the Seattle being right on their asses forces them to win. Um, I think they beat Seattle earlier, so they kind of hold that. So if they can get the season sweep, I think they'll be just fine. I don't know when they play next, per se. Um, let's see. They play the Seahawks. 
Oh, did they already season sweep them early in the season? One, or am I just not? Oh, they play them uh, three weeks. So they play the Dolphins, the Bucks, then the Seahawks. I just got a tough schedule, but I think they'll be just fine. I'm not too worried about them in the slightest. The Saints are just going to keep handing the Eagles a big pick, which is pissing me off because the Eagles are already too damn good to have a top 10 pick, but fuck it, I guess. <laughs> Speaking of giving a top 10 pick, this is a top three pick that the Rams are giving the Lions. Uh, yeah, uh, well, you you would have to be blind, uh, stuck in last year, or uh, thinking this game was played in 1999 to think the Rams had any shot of uh, beating the Chiefs. Yeah, I, Bryce Perkins. Alan Robinson was out. Cooper Cup's been out. Matthew Stafford's been out. Most likely going to get shut down. Um, now Aaron Donald has a high ankle sprain. This season is done. <laughs> Wrap up. Try to keep your best guys from retiring, i.e. Aaron Donald. I don't think Matthew Stafford retires. He signed an extension, didn't he? Or is in yeah. a, an extension, at least. Um, so he'll be playing for a while. As long as Cooper Cup exists, I think he'll keep playing. Um, let's see. He is a Ram for at least, let's see. Survey says one, two, three, four more years, potential out after 20, the 2025 season, but at least three more years as a Ram. Um, so one of the worst Super Bowl defending seasons in recent history, but the injuries piled up. Everybody's getting older. You reap what you sow. You move on. Yeah, Chiefs add Melvin Gordon to the practice squad today. Isaiah Pacheco is the leading rusher once again. Uh, CEH might have played his last down in the KC red and uh, yellow. Kelsey, still the leading receiver. Juju, happy to have him back on the field. MVS, big play guy. The Rams didn't have a shot. This Chiefs team is arguably the best in football, and Mahomes even had a down day. One touchdown, one pick, 320 yards. Not a whole lot to say about it. Um, Packers Eagles that's a game what do you think Austin Packers running defense is so bad it is so freaking bad this game really at this point said more to me about the Eagles than did the Packers knew the Packers were not good we knew they were struggling Aaron Rodgers even had to leave the game with a bad rib injury you could tell he was not feeling it at all Jordan Love came in and threw a good crosser to Christian Watson, and Christian Watson go vroom. Um, he went all the way to the end zone. Um, but Miles Sanders, Jalen Hurts, Kenny Gainwell, Boston Scott just continued to run all over this team. Um, this is kind of what spooks me about the Eagles right now is that their running defense is still not outstanding. Um Let's see. Let me get the – I will say the Eagles did have a career day, 363 rushing yards as a team so go out and ball they ran 79 plays compared to the Packers 49 plays so they really just wore that defense down beat them in time of possession by over 11 minutes they just did everything right on offense um Jalen Hurts 157 yards Miles Sanders 143 yards can gain well 39 yards Boston Scott 24 yards but only on three carries um 
AJ Dillon had eight carries for 64 yards, so he was averaging eight yards a carry. Aaron Jones uh, averaging 3.6 yards a carry, 12 for 43. Uh, Aaron Rodgers threw for only 140. So the stats aren't as overblown as I thought, but to give up 33 points to this Packers team feels a little spooky for the Eagles. Um, I feel like they're still kind of in a slump, obviously not on offense, but their defense kind of worries me a little bit um, with the health of CJ Gardner Johnson being up in the air. His injury looked really, really bad. That would be a big blow to this Eagles Eagles team. Obviously they're still a top two team in the NFC. If you want to maybe say the Vikings may be better on a different day or the Niners might be better on a different day. Those three teams are really close in skill to me and either one can beat it, it's rock paper scissors it really is pick one the other will beat the other it they feel like each team could beat the other any given day they're both they're all three great teams um but right now the eagles really need to figure out on defense and i think their biggest test comes on sunday against Derek henry it will force Ryan Tannehill to throw the ball because I will assume they will stack the box heavily against Eric Henry. So we'll see what Ryan Tannehill can do there, but it'll be interesting to see one of the best backs against the Eagles who just feel a little lackadaisical right now. Yeah. The Eagles have caught a really interesting uh, stretch of schedule for themselves just because they don't seem to be playing teams at their best over a stretch of games. Uh, Washington played their best game of the season against the Eagles. They're still in that little bit of a funk. Um, it helps whenever Hertz and Sanders are it helps whenever Hertz and Sanders combine for over 300 yards rushing from scrimmage. Um, 157 for uh, Jalen Hurts, 143 for Miles Sanders. Hell of a day on the ground. And if they can play like that, they're gonna control the uh, line of scrimmage and pace of play, regardless of what's going on. Rogers going down Hurts. Um, this season's just going to hurt for Packers fans in general. It's the, the top has fallen off. The floor is no longer existent. The defense that I thought was going to be the difference maker for this team does not exist. And without that defense, this team is just below average. Philadelphia has to tighten up certain spots of their team. Their rush defense is terrible. Uh, special teams are getting gashed in the return game, but they still are the number one seed in the NFC and their schedule isn't getting much harder from this point on. Uh, they have one more matchup with Dallas, if I'm correct. But beyond that, I think they should be able to win out to a certain extent. This is a very talented team that has room to grow and get better as the season goes on. All right. We have gone really long today, but we had a lot to say. Feels good to get it out a little bit. So let's get to these predictions and we'll get on out of here. A couple teams on a bye, which is so weird to me in week 13, but whatever. Thursday night football. Buffalo Bills, New England Patriots. Bills. Yeah, really nowhere else to go right now. Divisional games get weird. Could really go either way with the way the Patriots are always scheming, but you take the better team right now in the Bills. Packers, Bears. Packers. If Jordan Love plays? Yeah, I'm just taking the Packers. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I feel it. I'm right there, too. I don't know the status of Justin Fields off the top of my head, but something tells me Rodgers will find a way to play this game simply because he owns the Bears. Yeah. just He's going to go out there and bubble wrap and 
and just do whatever he can to continue his streak against the Bears. Uh, Steelers Falcons as as real quick. The Steelers defeat the Colts twenty four seventeen. Yikes! I'm taking the, the Steelers in this matchup, not because I'm super uh, inspired by their performance tonight, just because I do not like the uh, I don't like the Falcons whatsoever. Give me the Steelers. Yeah, I hate Marcus Mariota, so Steelers. Jets and Vikings. Vikings. I'm only going to take the upset simply because I think the Jets are, I mean, obviously they're both great football teams. The Vikings did ball out against a good defense and it's a 1 p.m. game. So maybe Kirk has some reverse fortune. So now he'll shit a 1 p.m. game since he did well in a primetime game. Um, Let's see if Mike White can ball out once again against not the Chicago Bears. Uh, Jags and Lions. I'm taking the Jags. Travis Etienne is going to be A-OK. So, yeah, I'll take the Jags. I feel like, honestly, this is a toss-up game for sure. It's, what, 2-4-7 teams, so exactly that. Titans and Eagles, I think we already talked about that. I'm feeling the Titans just because of Derrick Henry. Just give me the upset. I'm taking some upsets this week. Okay, and then we got uh, Titans-Eagles. I'm picking the Eagles. Um, Titans could play really well. I just think the Eagles are going to win. I think the Eagles are better off right now, and the Titans still have problems, uh, whether it be health or just overall consistency from Henry after his injury last year. Game that Derrick Henry could go off, but I'm not betting on that. Yeah. Brown Browns Texans Browns I unless <laughs> unless this is the ultimate like revenge game for uh, the Houston Texans this might be their Super Bowl Browns could you imagine could you imagine that would be that'd be fucking wild no oh no 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 we we are both we are both engaged <laughs> well Devin's actually married he's finished the whole process I'm engaged. God. Gotta love bots. <laughs> bots are the favorite of them all. Okay. <laughs> had to get one before the day end. There had to be one. And, of course, Adam, you know, I was really hoping Adam Scheffner was going to make an appearance as well. Uh, Commanders, Giants. Giants, the Commanders, uh, the floor's falling out soon. Taylor Heineke, it was fun while it lasted. Yeah, I'm just going to pick the Giants simply because I think they'll just get out coached in that situation. Uh, Broncos, <laughs> Broncos, Ravens. I don't think this is a two possession game that the Ravens can blow. I really don't Ravens. think. <laughs> Give me the Ravens. I'll take the Ravens too. Uh, Dolphins, Niners. Niners. I'm going to take the Dolphins simply because I think they're more dynamic, but super toss up game between two, what, eight and three teams. So yep. literally anybody could win. Seahawks, Rams. Give me the Seabirds. Seahawks. Chargers, Raiders. Chargers. Chargers. <laughs> Chiefs, Bengals. Jamar's back, so it scares me, but give me the Chiefs. They've been playing some of the best <laughs> football in all of the NFL. He's going to do it again, isn't he? Jamar's uh, going to do it again. He cost me a championship because of that. It, it still me breaks too, my heart. Me too, brother. Me too. Uh, Colts, Cowboys. Cowboys. The Colts just lost to a team that is so dysfunctional that uh, 
uh, the, yeah, the, the Colts are not in a good place. Saturday might, uh, his, his winning record was cool while it lasted, I guess. That's, that's what I'll say. <laughs> yeah. It, if they had played a decent game and they'd beat up the Steelers a little bit, I'd be like, okay, the Colts stand a chance, but like watching Matt Ryan is just so abysmal. And at this point, what Matt Ryan real quick finished 22 for 34, 199, a touchdown and a pick. And he was under pressure a lot. And if that if that pass rush, and I get TJ Watts a monster, if that pass rush is gonna cause you problems, what do you think the Dallas pass rush is gonna do to you? Yeah. So it's as simple as that. And then Monday night football, Saints, Bucks. The Bucks, come on. Dennis Allen can't <laughs> beat anybody besides himself. Saints are gonna find a way to win this. I, I yeah. Just, I'm gonna pick the Bucks, but dear Lord, if the Bucks are five and seven and they still lead their division, oh Lord Almighty! It, the NFC South is the 2020 NFC East, and it's not particularly close. All right, we're almost at two hours. Let's get out of here. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I gotta get Devin, dinner. You're you're a, tr- you're a trooper. Yeah, you're probably a hungry boy, so I feel that for sure. Sorry to keep you. Uh, long, long apologize to your wife for me. Um, anything else before we send off? Hey, man, uh, don't forget your fantasy football trade deadlines. They're coming up. I'm trying to wheel and deal as we speak. Um, we'll, we'll see if I get another receiver. If not, I should be good. But uh, thank you to everybody for tuning in. And may your rosters stay healthy. May your teams win out. Um, that's all for me, Austin. I don't know if you got anything else, but I got the final word if you're done. Catch us on Twitter throughout the week with questions, start sits, anything like that. Sunday morning, an hour before kickoff for live start sits. We've been getting a lot more people jumping in. Uh, Like the video, comment down, chat with us, subscribe to the channel, catch us all the time. We have plenty of off-season content for dynasty football and fantasy football NFL content all year round, baby. Yes, sir. Well, peace.